All right, soccer freaks. This is ATL on Fire, the podcast. We're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk about it all. Dave, you're just fresh off soccer practice, uh, but you were indoors out of the, the outer bands of Hurricane Ida that are flying <laughs> past us now. Field is a swamp, can't play there, so uh, we went inside, sought shelter in the gym. And what is this jersey you're wearing here? Uh, it's a Universidad Católica de Chile. It's one of the best teams from Chile, and uh, they're sponsored by Cristal. So anytime you have a university team that's the top team in the league and it's sponsored by Cristal, all kinds of crazy things can happen. That is pretty sick sponsor. Um, <laughs> but in terms of spirits, uh, we're drinking a nice wine here tonight. What do we got? Yes, we got a French Cote d'Aron going um, across the pond um, from Laval. From Laval. Laval. It's very nice. Let me give it a little. <laughs> I know. How would you describe this? Um, It's complex. It's rich. Yeah. It's big. Absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's got a nice kind of tanniny, rich taste to it. Um, different than some of the other stuff we've had. And I should mention we just performed year two of our harvest from our own vineyard. So um, that means two things. One, we'll have another vintage of wine. And two, debuting on the podcast soon is our own bottle of wine. I'm thinking, though, we should wait maybe to be above the playoff line, something special. I agree. So we have a two-game recap in this uh, ATL on Fire show. Uh, We had a 2-to-1 win up in D.C. against D.C. United. Uh, Yep. A week ago, and then here on Saturday in the Mercedes-Benz, we had a pretty disappointing loss to Nashville. We lost? What? 2-0, <laughs> with uh, the second one being given up by Brad going forward and not getting back in time. <laughs> so um, let's go back to the D.C. game. Again, we had our interim coach, Rob Valentino, at the helm. Um basically getting his fourth win on the road. Um, I don't remember how many of those four games were on the road that we got wins on in the win streak. I know there was at least one that was at home. Uh, I, think, I feel like it was two and two, but two and two. Um, I'm not sound, absolutely sure. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the DC game, again, we put out our talent on the field <laughs> and let it rip. Um Again, a lot of vulnerable moment, moments, if I recall, in that game where DC could have certainly uh, been level, or, or if not ahead. I think Brad Guzan said it all after the game when he's when asked about what Valentino's tactics were. He said, basically, he told us to play. <laughs> it kind of seems like that's uh, yeah. I don't know what were, what was your analysis of of that game. Joseph, I think, scored in like the 23rd minute, roughly, with a nice slotted pass 
um, right up the center to him. What a ball from Marcelino Moreno. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, and a great classic finish from Martinez, um, you know, showing a little bit of the old. Um, but what a ball from Moreno. Just slipped it right in behind. Um, brilliant. Should I bring it up here on the... Uh, the I don't think we here? need to do that one, but it, um, you might want to bring up um, why uh, Barco to Martinez and the cutback, um, the penalty that wasn't. <laughs> um, so for those of you uh, who didn't catch the game, um, you know, Barco plays to Martinez, he cuts it back. The, re- the goalkeeper clearly clips him. And what? What did you think? How, how is that not a penalty? Uh, yeah, I again, there's a couple times uh, Barco has been not getting the calls here of late. So, or is this a Moreno you're saying that got clipped? I think it was Martinez. No, M- Martinez. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. I know. I'm sorry. I'm catching up I'm, as I'm trying to multitask here. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. He's doing he, it all, Mikey Dobbs. Yeah, his right foot definitely got clipped at the last minute as he was going by. It was 100% mm-hmm. a penalty. I don't know what the suits are doing up there. What are they looking at? It's 50 frames per second. Well, um, so not, here's... not too different than Neves getting, you know, his shin guard bumped <laughs> by, by Paul Pogba to have my Wolves wolves lose last minute. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, you know, Mikey Dobbs' Wolverhampton played against my Manchester United in the Premier League, and, um, of course, we triumphed. But um, <laughs> through the assistance of uh, Pogba took the ball off of Neves uh, and, um, you know, it's interesting. He clearly caught Neves a little bit, although I have to say Neves made a meal of it because yeah. he started to run and then realized he couldn't get the ball and then went down. And still, even after all of that, right, Manchester United had the ball. They still had to go out wide. They still had to break the defense down. Um you know, so I, I don't like know how we got us off. To I like how he got us off track here, but <laughs> you know, I think Mike Dean did the right thing. I wouldn't have called that as a penalty either. But the problem is, is we live in a VAR world of looking at it when there's a goal, and clearly that moment gave Manchester United a moment to go and score a goal. And yeah, I mean, but I mean, one of the things you got to say is uh, Mason Greenwood. Yeah. I mean, what a finisher that guy is. Left yeah. foot, right foot, it does not matter. That guy is going to score a lot of goal people, a lot of goals people. Like um if you are a young player and you want to emulate somebody, it doesn't seem to matter left foot, right foot, it's like exactly the same. Do you think uh emulating Cristiano Ronaldo would be something that people <laughs> want to do at Man Um well, um, the, the aged one, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, you know, so, so Cristiano Ronaldo getting him, you know, for those of you not following Manchester United re-signed Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but you know, he's 36 years old. Um, and although if there's ever a guy who keeps himself in amazing mm-hmm. shape, I say to people that Cristiano Ronaldo is part footballer, part robot. Yeah. He and Zlatan are kind of the models for just being athletic freaks yeah i i don't know i mean ronaldo if you watch he sometimes posts his workouts on youtube yeah and uh, you know it mind-boggling yeah back to dc united yeah so that's the thing right so you were talking about var right um and here's the thing on the penalty kicks but i don't understand right so var is being used to adjudicate whether there was a clear and obvious error by the referee not whether or not there was a penalty, 
right? So they're asking the referee to make a decision in real time. Then they get to go see it by five different angles in slow motion. And then they're taking the, they're saying only if it was clear and obvious error. Why not actually say, mm, I think this is what it was, penalty or no penalty? Yeah, I I just don't understand. I mean, if you clearly get clipped in the box, how the people upstairs just don't say, go, I think go it was it clear and obvious. Yeah, For those on the YouTube channel, are you going to show it? Uh, I'm trying to find it. Um, do you I know? I felt like you were right there. No? Uh, well, I got to pull it up on the screen for the people to see, but. Um, well, I can keep going in the meantime. Keep going. I'm going to pull that up. So, um, you know, overall, well, so first of all, I think we should go over what the lineup was because, so there's an interesting dichotomy, which is, um, you know, basically the same lineup at DC United is the same lineup that we played at home, but under two different coaches. Um, and so I'd like to talk a little bit, you know, in, in contrast in the two games, how that same lineup looks under two different coaches, right? But basically we're playing three in the back, right? So the three central defenders, it's Robinson and Franco and Walks. We are playing two wing backs who go flying up the field. It's Bello on the left. It's uh, Lennon on the right. Then um, because Sosa is injured, we have, even though we told him not to on the podcast, <laughs> we have Sadich playing defensive midfield. And then you have uh, Moreno and Araujo, Araujo. Um, in front of him in, in attacking midfield spots. And then, you know, sort of Barco um, and uh, Martinez up top. Um, so that, that that's anyway, that's the 11 uh, with Guzan and goal. Um, do you have the clip? Uh, no, I've got the second goal here, okay. which is uh, DC United, and let's see how this one happens. You want to describe it? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, DC United player gathers ball the top part of the eighteen, and oh, oh, you're talking about the free kick? Oh wait, oh, this is the free kick. Goodness gracious, Mikey Dobbs! So, so, so no, wait, there was a goal before that that got taken back. Right, call sides. back. That's right. what we were just looking at. Now there's this uh, free kick on the outside uh, near the touchline, and Brad Guzan is organizing the team and not paying attention to his line. And frankly, um, pretty pretty good chops by the DC player to A, eye it up, and B, execute it, um, because Brad's a big dude and you know normally would recover on that. But got shown up, um, straight up, looked silly. Um, but a heck of a shot. I mean, you know, that only happens one out of 100 times for that guy. Yeah, terrific free kick. Uh, I thought for a veteran keeper that uh, Guzan was being a bit naive. Not it, Later he said that he thought that someone was in front of the ball and then he had time, but uh, I don't really think that was what it looked like. I think he was just... Just got caught, and it was a terrific free kick. Um, but all in all, um, a crap goal. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> look look at this, right? So he's he's not even at the top of the the six, right? And uh, he's barking some orders to some people. There's not much threat really coming at all, and he just quickly gets him flat footed, completely flat. It's a hell of a shot. I it mean, yeah. to be honest, you know. 
as I said before, sometimes you have to tip your hat. You know, you hate to see a veteran goalkeeper get beat by that, but sometimes you, you tip your hat. All right, now I'm going to see if I can find the foul against uh, our good friend Joseph Martinez as I fast forward here. Sorry for the listeners here. but I like uh, way past it. It was pretty early. Uh, it, was it was early, early, early. I don't know if it's in the highlights. Then. They don't like to show when they screw up MLS, you know? I haven't watched the highlights. Yeah, but I don't think it's in here. Hmm. Um, it was after... Um, um, it was after the goal. So there's the goal, right? No. Yeah. Can't find it. Okay. All right. Well, but there was a, a very... So we'll say that we're right and uh, MLS is wrong. <laughs> and then we've got uh, a third goal. It is pretty... Um, not good for them not to be showing penalties. I mean, come on. When that's a key moment in the in the match, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a bit naive. If we're wrong and it's really in the highlights, give us a shout-out if you're out there. And this is a play that should have been the second goal for Atlanta United where we get a, a, a nice break. It's a 2v1 with uh, Moreno coming up, and he just lays it off to Joseph, who the old Joseph would have finished this, but... Uh, doesn't find the angle against the goalkeeper. What did you think about this shot here? Let's play the clip. He plays it out to Martinez, and uh, pretty good save. Pretty good save, yeah. And so here is the second goal for Atlanta United, which uh, was kind of a sneaker, but and I didn't think Moreno hit it very well, but he got enough on it, that, uh, and he hit it through some traffic. Which I have to say, have you ever, ever, seen a player who can go in one direction and hit the ball completely opposite direction like Moreno does. Maybe maybe me. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Mikey Dobbs can do that. That's true, actually. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Um, no, yeah. good point. I've seen you do that, but it's an astonishing feat. He can be going completely left to right like he is on this goal, and he shoots it back right to left. And, and you know, physics doesn't work that way, folks. No, he did a real nice job of uh, – of doing that and also kind of crossing up the defense and, and blinding the keeper uh, doing it. So it looks like it comes off the, the top corner of the 18 uh, and what Bella plays it across. Joseph chests it, lays it back. Great layback by Martinez and then Moreno. And that's, you know, 20 yards out or so, 25 yards out and didn't get a ton on it. No, you don't have to get a ton on it when you can so get people moving the wrong way. I mean, that's just crazy because nobody expects you to be able to get it back that way. So, I, you know, I felt like we got lucky to get get the three points there. but Yeah, so um, we gave up 27 shots, folks. Um, 27 shots, right? So... Um, you know, obviously going into the game, we knew that Sosa was injured, right? And so his solution was to change. Valentino's solution was to change nothing, right? And he went with Sadich, um as a defensive midfielder who we know um, is not a defensive midfielder at all. I mean, this is no you know knock on him. He's just not a defensive midfielder. And Sosa, you know, 
we thought that the games, or at least I thought that the games under Valentino were way too wide open, even with Sosa. And the number of times that Sosa made astonishing reads to pick up a ball midfield was just incredible. And so you lose Sosa, and now you're asking Sadich to do the same thing and trouble. Yeah, and what Sosa's out for sounds like at least a month, right, from what they're saying. <laughs> it's classic, classic. Uh, Atlanta United. We, we know nothing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, anything else on the D.C. game? Snuck out of there with the three points. I like it. Um, you know, I have a comment about um, the D.C. United center back, Nahar. Um coming forward out of the center back was just absolutely brilliant. You really don't see that too much. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to play three in the back, which we'll get to, um, why our center backs can't carry the ball up the field and, and you know, join the attack, I don't know. Um, so a little bit of uh, intermission between, we get to, between getting to the Nashville game. Um I don't know. Did you catch any of the MLS All-Star game against Liga MX All-Stars? It was really light. <laughs> I'm old. Um, no, I watched a little bit of the beginning, and then I watched the highlights afterwards. Uh, what do yeah. you think? I enjoyed it. I really did. I enjoyed it way better than the MLS players playing against, like, a Chelsea or a kind of exhibition game. It had a little more of an edge to it. It did. I for sure. I felt like uh, both teams played like it mattered a little bit, and uh, – you know, that there was a little bit of pride involved. Uh, you know, I guess they did like an exhibition type of thing the night before where the players got to know each other. Um, but I thought uh, it was entertaining. And um, supposedly, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Liga MX and MLS merging, which supposedly, supposedly is just not, that's not ever probably going to happen. Uh, but supposedly in LA last week or on Tuesday, uh, I think 80 of the owners between MLS teams and Liga MX teams got together in LA and just had a very casual kind of open conversations about things that they can do to increase competition and profile of both leagues as separate leagues. And to me, that seems like the more immediate logic thing versus trying to merge the two leagues because, um, well, we have a problem because they don't play the same season at the moment, Yeah, which makes it Liga MX has two seasons too. So yeah, it's inherently difficult to merge at the moment, but, and you know, I agree. I think that creating a little bit more rivalry between the two, now that MLS is actually competing um, to some degree in some of these matches, you know, we're winning some of them uh, at a, you know, more reasonable clip, even though the quality of you're the, talking about in the CONCACAF champions league. Uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League, in, you know, whether it's Campione's Cup, uh, all these mm-hmm. little things, right, I think will start to add up to create a little bit more of a rivalry. I think... We def- have beaten Mexico twice in the last two finals. And that adds adds <laughs> a little fuel to the fire, right? What? So, yeah, and I think, you know, the particularly the Gold Cup, where that was our MLS team, right? So right. I think... That has raised some eyebrows down south of the border. You might recall, dear podcast listeners, a certain Miles Robinson scoring the winner very late on a header. But it goes back to me joking around about the MLS being the Super League. I realized that um, the big European clubs are going to rule for uh, probably as long as I am alive. But 
you know, if we can increase the viewership. Not if we're buying Champions League players like Araujo. That's true, too. And that's what I'm saying. Things change pretty quickly in five years. And if uh, between the two leagues, we can increase the, the quality, particularly in ML- MLS, to make the rivalry between the Mexican League more legit, I could see a lot more viewership um, taking some eyeballs away from, from other leagues in Europe, you know, other leagues. Sure. I mean, Liga Liga MX actually has a huge TV audience in the U S there are, I saw this stat, which, which opened up my eyes a little bit. There is a larger audience watching Liga MX in the U S than there is in Mexico. Right. And do you think anyone's going to watch league Un once Messi and Neymar and, and Mbappe leave in two years? (laughs) That league is going to be the Farmers League again. They can joke around all they want. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, oh, boy. The, our league is set up uh, to be an interesting one in, in five years. I don't know. I'm over my skis. On to Nashville FC. Wait, can I make a couple more points about the D.C. United game? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, uh, you know, for all the the crap that we give to DeBoer and we give to Heinze about maybe too much having too much possession and not really scoring. Um, the thing that clearly lacked under Valentino um, is possession. We have such a good, you know, attacking front group. If we can, can just control the game a little bit, then we can dominate, right? And so the idea that you would just concede the midfield like in just an up-and-down game and that is just sort of stunning to me. Um we just didn't control the midfield. We allowed them to run at us. Um, and, you know, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Now, the interesting thing is that I read after the game that Valentino had apparently told Marcelino Moreno to go deeper. Hmm. Um, I think for two reasons. One, to help cover with Sadich. But Moreno is not the answer to helping to cover with Sadich. She's just not a defensive presence like that. And then obviously, two to play these long, blind, these deep lying balls forward, which she's very good at. Um, but deeper for Moreno? Is that really what you want? Is that the solution to trying to shut down the midfield? I thought that was absolutely uh, crazy. Uh, how about asking. The outside backs, instead of going flying forward, to actually play defense. Yeah. Like Bellow and Lennon. Yeah, if you just sat Bellow and Lennon in that game and said, just sit, we don't need you offensively. Well, again, I think that's where a four-man back makes more sense. Um, Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, The last thing I want to say about this game is that after the game, (laughs) Valentino said that George Campbell won't always be playing with the first team. And if George Campbell's not playing with the first team, who's the sub as center back? Rob Valentino. Who? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> right? I, as we brought up in the podcast, I think it's difficult to play with three in the center back when you really only have three strong center backs. But if you're going to make the argument that we have four strong center backs, George Campbell was the fourth. Yeah, I agree. He's the only option I've seen. So, uh, <laughs> what's up with that? Uh, and then Saturday, um, you know, a beautiful EPL morning here, Dave. I'm on the back deck. Nice. Uh, life is good. Um, slowly rolling into our 3.30 start for Atlanta United. Um, I've done my research. I realize 
I have streaming. I don't have DirecTV slash AT&T, <laughs> so I don't have Univision. Uh, thus, I'm not able to stream. Dios mio, stream. I cannot stream the game <laughs> with my current uh, options, right? So um, I realize they say that Twitter is going to live stream it, and so I'm an impatient person. And so I'm like, okay, well, that must be a free version. I can Chromecast it to my TV, right? But I'm like, you know what? I just want to make sure, Dave, that I can watch this game and relax and be comfortable. Okay. Um, so I buy a subscription. I figured a month subscription to Fubo TV, which has Univision in the package. I'll get my money out of it over the course of the next months. Maybe I'll watch a little messy because it comes with Bean TV, which I don't have with YouTube TV, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. I'm locked in. I'm relaxed. I'm ready to watch a little Atlanta United. Uh-oh. Fubo TV. Uh, keeps freezing up on me. And I'm like, is it my internet? No, it's not the internet. Everything else is working. I've done some tests. There's some guy in the Fubo van with some like duct tape who's keeping the whole thing together. It was Fubar (laughs) TV. And uh, I just, my, my streaming woes continue, whether it's figuring out how to log into these apps. Okay. I I don't know. Leah's going to have to let me get back to uh, direct TV. I think. That's that's my rant. And that's digging deep when I go back to cable. I know we've talked about (laughs) it. No, Mikey Dobbs, no. So you're going to spend all that money to get, you know, the great thing, and you couldn't even really watch the game that well because it was was freezing on you. So now here's my options. I can spend two hours of my life arguing the bill with Fubo TV that there was some Mm. technical glitch. You could tweet at them. I could tweet at. I could. That sometimes works. ATL on fire. I could light them up. Light them up, baby. Never recover. Well, if you do that, hashtag you know at um, Atlanta United because the TV situation, folks, and I know you guys out there are the same thing as us. You're feeling it. Um, You know, shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. It used to be so simple, Fox Sports Southeast. And and, and the other thing is, is, like, yeah, I've got Android TV, and I'm like, I used to have a Twitter app, which was easy to stream the live mm-hmm. streams on Twitter, and they got mm-hmm. they got rid of that app, so I couldn't, it just wasn't easy. I was trying to Chromecast. Oh, my God. So it's it's, and so all of a sudden, I went from being in a really good mood to <laughs> really frustrated. Oh, no, frustrated then, even before kickoff. You know, and but, of course, the game made you feel better, right? But it did. So <laughs> at least the part, oh, it did. At least okay. the part that I was being sarcastic. Yeah, but the part that was working was the first thirty minutes on Fubu TV. I actually got a pretty good stream. Okay, the thirty the first thirty minutes of the Nashville game, I felt like again we had possession. We are in their half pretty continually. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we didn't get the end product, and maybe there's some better chances we could have created, mm-hmm. but. I was like, well, Nashville hasn't done a damn thing in this game. Not a and, damn thing. And they certainly didn't look like they were going to do anything in the game. Right. Um, and then things so started. So what changed? What happened? Well, Fubo started freezing <laughs> up on me. <laughs> no, what happened in the actual game, Mikey Dubs? Like, honestly, like I, this is where I'm going to have to rely on you because I'm still so frustrated from the whole afternoon that I don't even know. I think I, I, think I blanked out. Did you break your TV? 
I did do a lot of yelling, and Leah said I had to grow up. <laughs> did you get? Did she? Did you turn, get the TV turned off on you? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Atlanta United, right? Do you hear this, Mikey Dobbs? Right? Oh. You know, it's such a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it it kind of uh, the whole. I mean, and then yeah, it started to stream again, and then I saw we got scored on right before the end of the second half. Correct. Right before the end of the right, first. The, half. the first half. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. You get 64% possession. Nashville's doing nothing, right? But again, um, you know, here's the rub, right? With all of that, right, you have Sadich. And Sadich has zero help. Zero. First of all, he's not a defensive midfielder. But the, the, the expectation was that the two people who were supposed to help him defend the middle of the field, Mikey Dobbs, were Araujo mm-hmm. and Marcelino Moreno. Yeah. So the concept was to play with one center midfielder. It was playing with one midfielder in the whole field. Yeah. That's what everybody was talking about on Twitter <laughs> after the fact for the game I didn't really get to see. Um, so here's the thing. So Pineda's <laughs> got a tough choice, right? He comes in. We're on a four-game winning streak, right? Um, and so he comes in and he says, uh, oh, you know, we're not going to try to change too many things. But, you know, if you were watching a team, you know that, first of all, most of the win streak was played with Sosa, Mm -hmm. right? And you no longer have Sosa, so there has to be a decision, you know, once Sosa goes, what happens? And then on top of that, if you watch the D.C. United game, you're like, hmm, we were a bit fortunate to walk off there. We were dangerous. We got some chances. Yeah. We scored goals. But we gave up 70, 27, chance, 27 shots, people, right? So that's not exactly a recipe for winning a lot of games. You don't usually win when you give up 27 shots on goal. No. So he had a choice, right, which was to do something or to do nothing. And, you know, um, I thought, you know, for you, Mikey Dobbs, who's into, you know, coaches – taking the bull by the horns. Um, that was not exactly taking the bull by the horns. So what do you think? Yeah, well, I agree. But I still don't know what his options were. Who are you going to put in the midfielder that's going to be a defensive midfielder? Like I said, I felt like the only natural option uh, for Sosa was Mo Adams. Uh, as far as I know. And he's not. he wasn't available. Wasn't available. Neither was Ibarra, who can also apparently some in some former life play defensive midfield. But um, so that's where it goes to shifting the formation. So as we talked about, I felt all along, even with Sosa there, that in order to accommodate Araujo, um, you have to go to four in the back. Yeah. Right. There's no way to accommodate Araujo without four in the back. And then um, and when you have Araujo, right. So you got Araujo, Moreno, Barco, Martinez, all free-flowing, dedicated to going anywhere, none of them playing any set roles defensively, right? Um, If you're going to do that, which is fine, you're going to create a lot of chances, but you have to have something balancing that out in the middle. And even when it was just Sosa, he was on an island. Yeah. So, um, you know, see, the answer to me, I would have said, all right, you know, I would have said, look, you go to four in the back. And uh, my answer would have been to play Alan Franco as the defensive midfielder. Right? That's, yeah, that's not a bad. So you would have done like a, 
Miles, Walks, uh, Lennon, Bello in the back line. I would have gone her, Hernandez because I think oh, he's a better Hernandez, defender yeah. than 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 Brooks Lennon. Right, right. So Hernandez, Miles, Walks, and then maybe Bello in the yep. back four, and then have uh, uh, Alan Franco step up in the Sosa position there. Right, and then I probably would have played Sadich as well yeah. as a as a balance, so we have some in the defense. Then I would have put Araujo out wide on the left, so we have some real space. Um, I would have had um, probably Moreno sitting somewhere to the right, knowing that you've also got Brooks Lennon overlapping, um, and then you know Barco playing just behind Martinez. Well, that is one thing that scares me about Pineda, and I know we've had coaches in, that have come in in the past and it's their way of the highway, whether that's, yep. that's uh, <laughs> Frank DeBoer or Heinze right. at the same time, I think, you know, that's not necessarily shifting too much. It's just a little bit of common sense, I think. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. There's a, that's a, it's a little bit of a red flag that um, he wasn't confident enough to be like, look, you know, I want to keep it the same way. Maybe that's continuity or whatever, but I, my hand is forced here, right? Um, a, I don't think it's a great formation to begin with. And B, without Sosa, it's a really bad formation. Right, and, and that would have been an easy press conference for him to have, yeah. given his options. Be like, I mean, you and I have day jobs, and we can explain this pretty well, that the, the midfield options are pretty damn depleted, and so that means you need to fortify a different way. Now, in fairness to him, two things. One, he had very little time. He had like two days between the game to, to, to get that all into place, and that's difficult. And you might have said, even if he wanted to, he couldn't get it tactically done that quickly, and it might have been a mess. And if it's a mess in the first game, people be like, why did you change everything? And it was a mess. So yeah. he was kind of a little bit in a no-win situation, and I don't, I'm certainly not going to judge him for that. Um, the other thing that I liked is what did he do at halftime? He did not sub in Kubo Torres, which is one thing. Well, not that. just that, but what, <laughs> what you know what else he did? He went to four in the back. Yeah, there you go. Right, so he pulled off Alan Franco to do it, right? He brought on uh, Jose too, right? Um, and had I, had I been watching the TV at this point, I would have realized this tactical change, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it literally a spinning thing on my TV. <laughs> spinning wheel of death. I, I had smoke coming out of my ears. <laughs> keep going, Dave. You saw it. So he makes the change, right? So, uh, you know, for all of uh, the Pineda haters out there in the first 20 minutes, right? Um, 45 minutes in is all it took for him to be like, uh-uh. Now, of course, we conceded yep. a goal under that. Right off the bat, right? You know, it was with the four in the back, not the five in the back. Yeah. Um, but the goal that we conceded, um, you know, again, the thing that there was a problem, right? So, um, and maybe you want to pull it up. But um, so Sadich is, again, on an island. He's all by himself. And it's actually Barco's guy who goes running. I mean, and Barco was playing really farther up forward, which is crazy, right? One of the things that's such a strength of Barco, right, is that he will track back and he will, you know, do that. And and when he does that, it's fine because he's just ready to run again, right? So there's no problem with that. And yet he, they had him pushed up so far up the field trying to be an attacking presence that it's actually Barco's guy that leaves, right? And then it forces... Um, it forces walks to step up, 
right? Walk steps up, you know, um, which is what he should do. He had to step up. It wasn't really his problem. But then when he steps up, you know, there's three at the back. It's not really working. And so I think I've got it pulled up here finally. So I think this is the play. It's out wide on the left. Play back to the top of the circle. They move it up right down the center. That's actually Franco tracking back. So we must not have made the change. It if we were still playing three in the back, the change must have been a little later. Um, Rios from Nashville so it, scores. It wasn't at halftime. He went for Nashville back. has only lost twice this season. You realize that? I know that they're crazy? very good defensively. They just, but you know, in fairness, you know, to the people who are like, oh, Nashville's so good, they cannot score on the road. Um, and yet we gave. What do you think goal. about Brad's goalkeeping there too? By the way, getting scored on the near post. Uh, it was a great. He sold him going across. He did exactly what you see great strikers do, which is he sold him going across, um, and then uh, he fooled him to the near post, which is, I mean, textbook. Really great piece of finishing, I would say. Not a bad piece of goalkeeping. Yeah, clearly on side, but I don't know. I feel like Brad could have done a little better. That's just me. That's just me. I was disappointed with some of Brad's footwork and decision-making out of the back in the D.C. game. That was one thing that he made some stellar saves, particularly later on in that D.C. game. But, man, he looked suspect, obviously, with the goal that got looped in over his head. But, uh, you know, there was there was a couple other moments of just... Um, Okay, so dear podcast listeners, I was a little ahead of myself because it was in the 68th minute that he had seen enough of the back five and subbed Josetu on for Alan Franco and to, went to the back four. So, yeah. which makes a lot of sense because on that goal um, that we gave up, uh, Sadich is just totally on an island. I mean, there is a whole, you could have drawn a 40-yard circle around him. Uh, there is nobody there. Um, yeah, it certainly didn't look like they were struggling to get through the midfield here. Hold on, let's... Uh, let's so it's it. actually Barco's guy who makes a run. He's out wide, and Barco's supposed to be marking him, and he so starts say, to make a run, and he plays to Barco's guy yeah. right there who plays really quick, and and walks is really late to come out, but, you know, he's playing in a back three. I, you can't blame him. Yeah, but um, Sadich is in between. He's an in-between land. Well, Sadish is in nowhere land because Sadish is like, uh, what am I? You expect me to cover the entire, you know, thing on an island? I mean, I mean, I hate to say you heard it here first, but we said Sadich cannot do it alone in the defensive midfielder, and we were right. Yeah, so here it is. Look, say he's right there. Look at them. He's in dead center of the field, right? Yep. Right where you would draw it on the map of how you would draw this lineup, right? Our only midfielder, right, caught in between and covering that one. And one other thing you'll notice, actually, in where you, where Mikey Dobbs has frozen the clip, we have the three center backs. They only have two guys up top, so we should be pretty well covered, even when Walks eventually has to step out. But again, the problem with the back three is that nobody's really responsible for anybody. So when Walks goes forward. Right, Franco is a little late to track him. Yeah, let's see. There he goes. Walks, stepping on there. And then it was a nice little slot, but yeah. It's a terrific ball and a terrific goal in fairness. Um, you know, we can't be too disappointed. Nobody really gets beat, but that's the problem, right? When you have a system as a coach, why do we do tactics, right? When, when nobody gets beat, 
and you give up a goal, then there's something wrong with the system, right? Because what should have to happen when you give up a goal is somebody should have to get beat or make a mistake, right? When nobody makes a mistake or gets beat and you still give up a goal, then there's something wrong with the system. That's an excellent observation. And what else can we say about the Nashville game? You were there. How was the, the atmosphere? I was not there, no. So oh. I was at my daughter's uh, soccer game oh, okay. um, yeah. instead. Um, so, no, I wasn't there. I heard that the, the atmosphere was terrific. It looked great on TV for the Fubo TV moments that I had. The environment <laughs> for the great. spinning wheel. Uh, again, the sun in Mercedes Benz had that glare. It sounds like we got the advantage in the first half of not having that in Guzan's eyes. But do you think that they're doing that in particular because of COVID? And a hundred percent. I yeah. think, uh, from what I understand, that's one of the things that allows some of the mass restrictions to be restrained in in the in the Benz. Fair. Um. But, you know, and then, um, so so if we're analyzing Pineda, so he did not make the move that we talked about playing uh, Araujo as a classic winger. He played him as an inverted winger, um, which meant that um, you can't play either Lennon or Jurgen Dam as a winger. Right. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited to see Araujo as like a left winger, not inverted, because Moreno is playing so well in the center, more of the center. Barco seems to be comfortable out there on the right and cutting back in more as an inverted winger on the right side. Mm -hmm. Barco seems to be doing well. Like I've, my memory serves correctly. He seems to be pulling the ball in right. and cutting in really well from that side of the field, making a lot happen. So if you have Ariujo, like you said, using the sideline as a way to open it up on the left, then that could be that could be something. So if you go back to, you know, the long storied history of Atlanta United and the Tata era. Right. So Tata never played with five at the back uh, with the exception. There was one game in the playoffs when we won the whole thing that he put um, Robinson as an extra center back in New York FC when they had that little band box and he just parked the bus. But the entire Tata era was four in the back. Right. Um, it was Parkhurst and LGP as the center backs and then Garza out left. And actually originally it was walks. And then later it was Escobar. Yeah. Right. As the right back. Right. And um, I forgot you know, that walks played right back. Yeah. He started as a right back for Atlanta United. Um, the thing about it is, and here's the rub, right in that system. It's not like the outside backs didn't go forward. Right, Escobar went forward, yeah. Garza went forward, right? So this idea that you need three in the back and a wing back in order to have still have three back and go forward is nonsense because that's why you play defensive midfielder because even when you have one of the outside backs going forward, right, you still have the other three back and you have a defensive midfielder, right? So you have four players back at all times. Yeah, and the thing about four in the back is it's it's more about the known accountability for those players. They have to get back. They they have the luxury in an attacking minded, uh, you know, philosophy of a team to to dart forward. But damn it, you're not going to play if you don't get back and cover your man as priority one. And I think that's you know that's a good point when you think about the Garza. Uh, Escobar days of them 
bombing forward. But to your point, they were bombing forward with purpose because they knew that 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 was their moment. It wasn't just a moment to push up for no reason. Right. And so for all those people who are saying, you know, the whole system allows Bello to be such an attacker, I say BS because Garza was an attacker, right? And we in a four system. Bello can still be an attacker in the four system and he won't waste his energy just flying out the back. When the other thing about this game with with Bello and Lennon flying out of the back, we were so narrow defensively. Out on the outside, they could play balls out there all day, and those guys had time to collect and turn. We, Even though we had 64% possession, we couldn't really keep them in their own end because they always had that outlet diagonal. So my, one of my other kind of hippie observations here is the, the idea right now, I think one of the reasons we're winning is that there's clearly a lot of talent on the Atlanta United side. There's clearly a lot of care whether that's Ariujo or Joseph ripping his shirt and wanting to score. Yeah, can you describe that for the for the people who didn't see it? Well, I didn't see it either. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll describe it. So um, it was Marcelino Moreno. So this is uh, very late in the game, and maybe you could pull up the clip. It's like uh, 87th minute or something, maybe even the 90th minute. It's very late in the game, last gasp kind of thing. Marceline Moreno is out on the left. He gets the ball. He swings in a stunning 35-yard ball right onto Joseph Martinez's head, right? I think it's right here. And Joseph Martinez heads it. Hold on. I got to bring it up for the viewers here. Wait for it, viewers. Wait for it. Wait for it. And here we go. Joseph Martinez heads it, and oh, my God, he misses by about a foot. And this is a goal that he scores nine times out of ten. And he's so angry that he rips his shirt off so violently. As he's ripping it, he scratched a hole in his chest. Yeah. I mean, that is a guy who's playing with passion, right? <laughs> well, talk about a guy playing with passion. How about the Nashville? He was bleeding from his goalkeeper in his mustache. Let's call that. Out. <laughs> that is a mustache that oh. is much respect. Only a mom could Na- love. Nashville fans, I love it. That's a great. That's a great stat. But in the clip, can we see him? Does he? Do they show him with his shirt? They must let it play. Yeah, let's let's play it. And see. For those who didn't catch it on the YouTube channel, I'm sure they're going to show it. Come on. Let's see the blood. I saw a Twitter photo of oh there's there's Goose uh not getting back in time but yeah uh, so Goose Gooseman's already uh Guzan Guzman Guzan is already is all the way forward um to try and get an extra attacker in the box and they just kick the ball and, yeah. and they score. So that's a nothing goal, yeah, no who, big deal. Who gives a crap? Lose Nobody gives any and you know, in fairness to Pineda, good for him for saying, Hey, let's go for it and don't worry about yeah. that extra goal. Um, I like that, but man, Joseph Martinez, you know, you've seen him angry, but he misses the header. He goes over, he kicks the post really hard. And then he turns around. He's still not satisfied. And he rips his shirt halfway down the middle and he rips it so hard that he digs a hole in his chest. It was a pretty good look for a second there, but I don't, (laughs) I just still don't know about that pink hair. I I, uh, I I think he's had more success without the the colored hair. It was right. like Incredible Hulk in pink. Yeah, 
What do they call that movie? Pretty in Pink? Mm. He was classic. Hulk in Classic. (laughs) So clearly, I I feel like our players have passion. Even Barco is still, like, they're all trying, Ariujo, they're all trying to prove something. Moreno playing. Ariujo in the early moments has looked class. Like, he's smooth, silky smooth on the ball. Um, The one thing I'll say about him, and, you know, um, this is what we need to look for, um, dear podcast listeners, right? He has a tendency to shoot from 35 yards, and he's got a wicked left, left foot, and he has almost scored twice, but almost is not actually scoring people, right? And my problem is, let's count up by the end of the season how many times he takes that shot and denies us maybe a better opportunity and how many times he scores. If he doesn't score three times during the season, then that's a waste, Because if he goes forward with his talent, he can get us a better chance. And so if I'm the coach, I would say, look. People are doing the PT Martinez count right now on that one. Yes, exactly. Like how many many of these PT moments are we going to have? It looks brilliant, and he's just missing, and he's whipping the ball. Now, you got to say, like, uh, you know. Absolutely, let him take left-footed free kicks. But there's something different. There's something <laughs> very different about his style and and even his shots than what I saw with PT. But I, I think I think one of those is going to come. But I agree. I think in some of those moments he needs to just pull back the trigger and lay it off to maybe a simpler option. For sure. Yeah. Well, not pull back the trigger. I mean, because when he steps on the gas, which he does, yeah. he runs at defenders and he makes great decisions no, no. and he plays beautiful Tr- passes. Trigger as in don't shoot it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Just don't shoot it so, from there. But my, so my, but my point is, is, is I don't know if this observation resonates with you, but as I was just saying, and you were saying all the players seem to give a shit, which is great, mm-hmm. but there seems to be a lack of cohesion amongst them to all like the entire 11 to play for each other, like literally like a team, mm-hmm. like they're like, you're playing for each other. I don't even know how to describe that, but that is yep. a missing element of this team right now. They're all playing to win. They're all playing to be recognized as individuals who are willing to rip their shirt open and scratch their skin to say, I care, but are they caring about the th- triangle around them and 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 doing anything and everything for their teammate who is 20 yards away from them that is a missing element of this team's culture right now which is the recipe that we need to get to in our Pineda I don't know if he can do it but if we get that and I don't sometimes that's a very subtle thing in the soccer team to get that there is this bond amongst the the players I think the international break won't help that with Joseph leaving Hernandez leaving. Um, uh, who else? Uh, so the two Americans, Bello and Robinson, and then Hernandez and Joseph Martinez. That's so it. My, my point being is that it's a very delicate thing to get to the equation that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But it is the equation of every winning MLS Cup champ team that's probably ever been, right? Or any winning team in any league. You have to, above all play for the guy that's behind you and in front of you. So, um, in my opinion, Pineda's got a difficult route in getting them to do that because 
you know, one of the things that Atlanta United has established itself is as a showcase kind of team for players coming from South America headed to Europe. And, you know, the question is, during a stopover like that, can you build that culture? One of the things that builds that culture is continuity, you know, players playing, you know, establishing it, setting the tone all the time. And we do have a Joseph Martinez who's clearly staying for life. Um, so we have that. But there are some players who might just be here for showcasing themselves. And that's not to say, I think, you know, a player like Barco um is clearly willing to work his, you know, well, you know, ass off. Araujo is not here to showcase himself, right? He just came from a champion. Nobody league. knows why Araujo is here. He's here why to, is he here? Well, according to him, he says he's here to win some trophies and to let MLS know who he is. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense because he won a trophy in France in a major league, right? Like well, if he's really if major, he's leaving it's a club, not really a major league because you've got. Paris Saint-Germain with literally the the Harlem Globetrotters. Still, they won the title at Lille over them. They're a Champions League team. It sure as hell wasn't going to happen this year. You can't say you're going to go to a club to win trophies when you just won a trophy in a better league. I don't know then. I don't know. So why is Araujo? Like, that's what you should ask on your tw- on our Twitter poll, right? Why is he here? Like, well, I think everyone on Twitter kind of asked that from what I observed. Like, do yeah. you, did you, were you able to figure out what, how much we paid him? Is it money? Uh, that could be an equation, right? So I think we ended up paying him, I want to say 12, the transfer fee. So you're talking about a salary of the transfer fee, which all he cares about is salary. salary. I don't know, but it can't be that much, right? Yeah, because MLS has all these strategies. Yeah. But he's a designated player, so, right? So they can pay, so they can pay him whatever. doesn't matter. It's unlimited on a designated player. It is, but there's, like, backward implications on that. So I have a theory. Yeah? Yep. Let's hear it. I love theories. <laughs> is it a conspiracy theory? No, not really a conspiracy theory. So what is it that that drives a lot of decisions in life location 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 Mm, sort of i'm gonna go with love oh right miss brazil miss brazil hates france that's my does not like being in lille Lille. It's not, we're not in Paris. We're in Lille. How far away is Lille from Paris? Lille's in the middle of freaking nowhere. They got wine there, right? I mean, well, they got wine everywhere, but I watched the Tour de France. It's beautiful. I think she's pissed off about being in a tiny little countryside French town. And she wanted anywhere but there. I love this theory. I love it. That's what I think. It's love, Mikey Dobbs. So, wait. So, Miss Brazil thinks hot land is hot? Is that what you're saying? Yep. That can't be true. Well, she it. thinks it's, I just, I just, it's better than countryside in France. I don't know, man. I got to shoot that theory down now. Really? Yeah. As, I mean, I've always been surprised that Atlanta as a football and basketball destination is I mean it's where people want to come and hang, but it's not where they want to live. I don't. I never understood. But if it. you're from Brazil and not even from a great part of Brazil, apparently, I think yeah. she's from not great player. I'm not exactly sure because I don't okay. know Brazil that well. But and so you want to get out of Brazil, fair. Yeah. 
right? And the United States is very attractive with all of its modeling, all of its, you know, money-making opportunities, all of whatever. You want to just give me any major American city, get me to the U.S., where I don't have to worry about as much of the shenanigans that go on in some places in Brazil. And so, you know, she's like, look, we're getting out of Brazil. Great. And then she ends up in the countryside in France. And she's like, these people are drinking wine and eating cheese and speaking French. And there's nothing going on. Nothing, Mikey Dobbs. Nothing. I have a different theory now because I like because you can't even go to a club in Lille. Right. That's true. That's true. You can go to the... <laughs> There's no discotheque. There's no nightlife. There's no nothing in Lille. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Lille, so maybe, you know, dear podcast listeners, you can correct us. If you've been out partying in Lille and you want to come on the podcast and tell us about, about your night out in Lille, we'd love to hear it. But that's my theory. So, Iriujo supposedly has the best looks of the... Atlanta United players in 2021. And he's the best to, looking? He's the best looking, according to the, my my poll here on ATL. He is a good looking dude. He, he and did. there's a reason why he has yeah. Miss Brazil. And Is I, it his wife or his girlfriend? I'm not really sure. That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like they're married. I feel like they're married to But too. I'm not sure. He should be married to her. <laughs> or vice versa. Since he's Put the, a ring on it. Since he is the most handsome dude, according to my poll here. We got I, Miles in... Uh, um, Leah said that Amar Sedek was a handsome dude, too, so I threw him in the poll. I don't know. I, Do you I, know that it turns out he's German? I did I hear that. I finally figured yeah. that out. Uh, but Sedek... Sorry. Yeah, that doesn't sound very German. I don't know. No, it sounded like Slavic. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it seemed like it was a good uh, two-horse race between Sosa and Ariujo, which that makes sense to me. I mean, both are, Latino, both very good-looking. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, both smooth on the ball. I yeah, mean, that's true too. <laughs> that's what that's what the South American ladies are looking for, or really any lady in particular, they're looking for smooth on the ball. Smooth right? on the ball. So that's what I think. I think that Araujo is here for love. Yeah, I like it. I like your romanticism on that. Because presumably in, in the U.S., she has an opportunity to have a modeling career. Yeah, that's right? true. And, and, you know, have major, major American modeling sponsors. So, maybe be on a television movie, whatever can, she wants to do. And how did David, Be- David Beckham drop the ball here? What do you mean, how did David Be- Beckham drop the ball? Well, you know, I guess it's because all of the... Uh, the financial restrictions after they cooked the books, because you would think if, you know, Ariujo and Brazil. Oh, you think he would have ended up in Miami. Right. Miami. That's where the glitz. Well, they didn't go after him. A, they don't have the money. Or, or LAFC or galaxy. They don't have the money. I mean, no offense to David Beckham, but home Depot brings in a lot more money. How about Arthur throwing the, throwing the checks? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's like 12 million with like another, like five, like with incentives. Let's go make it rain. Yeah. Make it rain, Uncle Artie. Do you think Uncle we're still going to get uh, the the young Brazilian or the, the, the young Argentinian? I mean, uh, if that's true, again, I'm going to stick with my prediction that Barco's gone. Yep. I don't think that he adds, and I don't think really there's space for another attacking player. You're already, as we've talked about you know, previously in the podcast, in order to accommodate Araujo, uh, 
you know, or any attacking player, right? Once you have Joseph Martinez, Barco, Moreno, and Araujo, so four players who are primarily responsible for attacking and who aren't going to really give you defending. That doesn't mean they don't defend because Barco does get back, you know, before you, you know, you know, berate me, uh, berate us on Twitter, right? They, some of those guys get back, but they're not defenders, right? They don't defend in the midfield. They don't tactically set up defense, and that's fine, right? But if you have that, as soon as you have that, then you can't have five playing in the back because if you have five playing in the back and you have four players who are only dedicated to offense, five plus four is nine. You play with 10 players on the field. How many does that leave you in center midfield, Mikey Dobbs? Not many good ones. <laughs> one, people, one. <laughs> and that's the thing. So you have one, which is true. It's Sosa was on an island. Sadich is on an island. And Sosa, God bless him, you know, actually made an island work. You know, he was freaking Tom Hanks on the island, you know, talking to the volleyball. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Sadich is no Sosa. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he and like, to be Wilson. honest with you, against the best team, Sosa wasn't going to survive. You cannot play with one midfielder. So there's our lesson for Pineda. So what going into... A very big rivalry game now. As much as I hate the fact that the fabricated bloody rivalry against Orlando oh. has actually become a real rivalry, right? Like They've uh, got Disney World. They've got Disney they World. They can hold Mickey Mouse hostage. They can. And they are right up there on the top of the table. They. Uh, I told you that Pereja is a good coach. He's a, they're well coached. I kept telling you that Orlando going to be better under Pereja. If you listen to the podcast... So, how do you think we fare in a very tough game, What, which is Friday the 10th? Of yeah, September. so we have two-week break, you know, which falls at a good time for Pineda because he can really now train the team whatever he wants. And so there's no excuse, right? Pineda, you should look at the team. And I know you said I want to – he said over and over, I'm going to bring him along slowly. I'm only going to introduce two things per week. Um, forget it, right? Go be bold. Play whatever system you think this team just – Put out a piece of paper and you decide what it is that can best win with these players and do it, right? Be bold, right? If you're a coach, be bold. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be DeBoer stubborn, you know, and, and Pineda, in fairness to him, you know, it took him 68 minutes for him to go to back four. 68 minutes, folks, right? So that's a good sign. If there's a bad sign with Pineda being like, mm, I'm just going to keep going, not recognizing that we're never going to get away with Sadich, just the only midfielder, the good sign, the flip side of that, is it took him only 68 minutes to get rid of it. I didn't know that. Like I said, I was watching a spinning dial. I'm really happy to hear that because that was a real concern of mine that he wasn't strong-willed enough to make those type of changes and just wanted to be kind of... Um, and we finished the game on the front foot, although in fairness to us, we were sort of on the front foot most of the time. Yeah. But one of the things you'll say in the first, you know, 50 minutes or whatever until we gave up the goal, we are on the front foot. We had 64 possession and no chances. It seemed very DeBoer-esque, right? And that's the problem. You know, why five in the back? Why? Yeah, it seemed a little better than DeBoer asked, though. I don't know. And that I mean, we could have gotten a penalty kick, in fairness. Balo, very early, 
you know, right at the edge of the penalty area. I don't think it's a penalty kick. No, no. Um, and to be honest with you, even if it's in the box, this is where I hate VAR. They're like, oh, VAR showed that he wasn't in the box. I'm like, any referee worth their salt who's controlling the game would be like, I don't give a hoot whether it was in the box. The guy's running sideways at the corner of the box. I'm not going to give you a penalty kick for that. That's- I'm going to be like, mm, it's outside the box. Yeah, I, I guess, but it shouldn't have been a penalty. Anyway, whether the ref saw it one way or not, he was way outside the box. I mean, a good, like, 6 to 12 inches outside the box. <laughs> a good 6 to 12 inches. I mean, it wasn't box. like he was, like, uh, edging into the box. I don't know. I'm not calling that. Ugh. But, yeah, so we had a lot coming. of possession, and we had um, not a lot of attack. And here's my rub, right? Because... If you're playing so-called five in the back, and a lot of people would say it's three in the back because a lot of for a lot of the game we really only had three defenders back. Balo and Moreno were way up the field, right? And you say, okay, if that's the case, you should get a ton of offense from them, right? And outside of Balo almost getting a penalty kick in the first four minutes or whatever it was, we didn't get a ton of offense from Balo or or Lennon. You cannot tell me that we could not have gotten the same kind of offense out of them and still had them play defense. Yeah. The more we talked that through earlier that again, with timing your runs, the bottom of the field, knowing you've got accountability to be in the back is a better mental space for players like that, that are super athletic yeah. That can bomb up and down the wings. Because uh, neither Balo, I mean, Balo maybe is a little technically better than Lennon. Lennon serves a better ball. But neither of them are so shifty that they're going to take on players. I mean, maybe Bello is, but um, not from a dead stop, right? Both of them are good enough to get by a guy when they have a little momentum, right? But they have to be running. Right. I mean, I don't understand. And and, you know, I think a perfect example of this is Garza. Right. Because Garza is shifty on the ball, but not like, you know, you wouldn't describe him no. as messy or something. No, he right? used he used the he used the line to bomb down and use speed as his. Asset. And it was an overlap run where somebody right. already had the ball and he created a two V one often. Co- co- correct. It wasn't like he beat a man one on one with pure speed. He beat him with right. a with a wall pass and boom down the line. Whereas if you have Balo and Moreno, a uh, Balo and Lennon, the way they are now getting forward so fast. Now you're asking them to do it all by themselves. We're not creating two V ones. They're just getting out there, getting the ball out yeah. there. And then they're like, okay, you go do it. And you know who I would love to see who's clearly capable of beating a man one-on-one down the left Can I side. Get, oh, left side, left side. Well, you got to say Araujo. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the other side on the right side. The other guy who can do it is Jurgen Dam. Yeah, so you got Ariujo and Jurgen Dom up high. Pre- if you got those four in the back, and you have Dom and Ariujo, like as much as you want to give Jurgen Dom crap, Atlanta United fans, the guy can go down the side of the field and get to the end line and cut a ball back, regardless of where that ball goes. It, you know who's in the middle? Joseph Martinez and Moreno. And hopefully somebody else crashes. Yeah, because if Araujo is on the left and or Lennon and Dam is on the right, and now they have Bello overlapping on the left and Hernandez overlapping on the right, I dare a, a left back or right back to defend that. And even if they do, we got now creating 2v1 like we had with Garza and Escobar in the old days. 
And when that happens, you know who's going to be open? Moreno and Barco in the middle. Yep. So, and that's the problem right now. When it, when you you don't have it, then you're when Balo and Lennon are so far up, it pushes Araujo in, Moreno in, Barco in, and now you got three yeah. guys standing next to each other. And, and if Joseph doesn't get there and intact in the spot, and it ends up like going back to the top of the eighteen, and you got Moreno and Barco, that's their spot. Right, the top of the eighteen, a little dot dot. Or Araujo, that's forget it. Well, under these conditions, Araujo would be under the left side. Well, he's on the left side, but if he's in, he can cut inside occasionally yeah, because sure. Bellow's overlapping. He ends right. up at the top of the box. Or if we're attacking down the right, he ends up at the top of the box I'm, from the left. Seriously, I'm excited about this formation already, dude. People. People. Seriously. <laughs> it's, it, and it's Hallelujah. And it's certainly the only solution right now with Sosa. Yeah, you have no me. choice. You cannot play five in the back with Sadich as your holding midfielder because you have five in the back. You've got four players playing offense, and that leaves a single player playing center midfield. And don't give me this that Moreno and Araujo are supposed to help him in the midfield. No way. So, Pineda, if you're listening to ATL on Fire, you have found the right podcast to get your direction from Atlanta United. It's simple math, right? Five plus four equals nine. You play ten on the field, that leaves you one, right? So, if you play four in the back and you have four up top and those four moving, whatever, that leaves you two, Right? Two guys in the midfield can sit. I mean, if you literally sat, you know, two guys, whether it be Sadich, Rosetto, I would have actually moved one of the center backs like Alan Franco and just say, sit there. And you're like, you don't have to go forward. You don't have to do anything. Your job is to sit in the middle and break up counterattacks and have fun. All you got to do is get the ball and give it back to Araujo, Moreno, Barco. Get the ball, give it back to him. Get the ball, give it back to him. Right? You don't got to do nothing. Folks, he's a humble man. He's working to solve Alzheimer's disease. He's a geneticist. Dave Katz. Sim- <laughs> simple math. Math. I mean, you're it's like- not my strong <laughs> <laughs> But even I can do that math, Mikey Dobbs. So, what else can we do to divert ourselves here? We've got the U.S. men's national team qualifications that begin for the World Cup 2022, beginning Thursday at 7 p.m. against El Salvador. Isn't it 10? Oh, it is 10. It is 10. You're correct. It is a late one. You know, so... God bless CONCACAF. God bless qualifying. I know COVID forced their hand a lot, but so the U.S. men's national team schedule, right? We play Thursday in El Salvador, I think. Then we play Sunday in Nashville. And then we're back on Wednesday in South America again, or in Central America. So, so we holy crap! So on Sunday we come back to Nashville and play Canada, correct? Correct. And then who do we play back in South America again, or Central America? I want to say it's Honduras, but I'm not sure. That sounds right. Yeah. So, but we got to go to Central America twice in a week's time with a game in between in Nashville. So I'm okay with playing three games in a week, which is still extreme for a qualifying schedule but to have to start in 
in Central America, come back to the U.S., and then go back to Central America is nutsos. Yeah. I don't want to be scared, but I'm scared. Well, you know, I, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, Burr Halter, and I'm not a huge fan of him tactically or whatever, but, um, you know, he might be the absolute perfect coach for this because he's very good at managing players and keeping them happy, and he was very good at rotation. What he did with um, the conf- whatever they called that first tournament, the con- con- federations or whatever yeah, it was. League, yeah. Nation, yeah. Nations League. Nations, Nations League, League, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Gold Cup, playing two completely different squads and winning both times sets you up because you can literally do that. You can actually, you know, you could actually basically bring one squad, and I think he's going to do this. He's going to bring only a subset of the players to Central America, and some of the players are never going to make that trip. It's not like the starting lineup is going to go Central America, play here, and then go there again. I don't think that's going to happen. You may see an entire starting 11 different at Nashville. Full rotation. Yes, I think that's what you might see, which is crazy, but but if anybody's going to pull it off, he's the guy. Well, I mean, that's one awesome thing about the evidence from the Nations League team versus the Gold Cup team is we can get it done with either squad pretty confidently, I think against an El Salvador, at least. Yeah, and if you say to them, look, you know up front to those players, your job is to either go away on the road and get whatever we're going to get on the road, or your job is to hang back at home, and regardless of what happens there, you make sure that if we get a tie or a loss there and get upset, you come back and win at home, you know, So God bless. Because the other squads that have to do it, right, and presumably they're doing crazy things too, um, they don't have the depth that we have. Who is going to be available? Do we have any superstars that are going to be missing for the games? It sounds like... No, I think everybody's available. Weston McKinney's available. Uh, Sergio Dest is available. Pulisic is available. Reina. Um, Rain, Gio Reina is available. They're all going to be there. Okay. As far as I know. Now, Brooks Lennon, who's our, who's, our, who's going to be our striker? Is it Sargent? Is it this new Pepe kid from uh, FC? Is it FC Dallas? No, that's the one thing that should be no. Okay, what's no? Your, what's, <laughs> so he's a he's a nineteen year old kid. He's he's hot shit right now. Well, he's hot shit for six games. Yeah, and you know, great. I hope he's hot shit for another, you know, two seasons. But six games does not make you a starter on the national team. You know, he scored a number of goals in in a half of a season. Okay, but have you seen our other options? I've seen our other options. So who are you putting in there? The Josh Sargent that's playing for the Canaries? Well, for example, I would take uh, Brennan Aronson way over him. So Brennan Aronson... Um, was with the Philadelphia Union, scored way more goals over multiple seasons in the MLS, and has now gone to Europe, plays at Salzburg, and got Salzburg into the Champions League proper as their starting striker, right? So why not make him the striker? I like where you're talking. Not too familiar with his resume. He's way more, his resume is way better than Pepe. Okay. Well, Sargent still seems to be fighting an uphill battle. He's real young still. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, he did well for a uh, word Bremen. Yeah. 
Um, and he, but, had, he had like a 12. But he got transferred. 12 or 15 million euros to go to. He's a canary. Canary. <laughs> he's in Norwich. He's in, Norwich is. is uh, he's in the swamp. Is what's his name playing for the canary still? Who's the other kind of striker? Is that uh, is it Norwegian guy or. Uh, no idea what you're talking about. Oh. Pookie, isn't that his name? <laughs> Could be. Such a great name. Pookie. Could be. The guy's bald and he balls out. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Coming up with your Norwich. Yeah. Facts. I, think it, I think that's Pookie. Didn't they get relegated last year and they made it back up? They got promoted last year, yeah, because right, they so, were relegated before. Yeah, yes. They so, were they were um, in the Premier League two seasons ago or three yeah, seasons so, ago, got relegated yeah. and came back up. I'm pretty sure it's Pookie. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that's just like your classic – guy who scores so many goals but in a relegated team he's just uh magic but dk is hurt um you know he's the guy who played for um orlando and yeah. then went to england and played not in the premier league but in the championship and scored like 20 goals um, on loan in england but um and then so he's not available um i think zardis is injured he's not available mm. That's not good. Um, so, you know, now one answer is not to play an out and out striker. You can play a false nine with, you know, Pulisic or Gio Reyna or one of yeah. those guys leading the line. You could do that. But I think to me, why not, you know, this is Aronson's moment. I like it. That's why you're here, Dave. To, uh, to shed I mean, the light on the answers. The guy starts. So first of all, he was great in the MLS for multiple seasons, and then he went to Europe, to Austria, to Salzburg of all places. And Salzburg in the qualifying rounds gets through to the Champions League proper with him as the starting striker. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a that's a real credential. What else is happening in the world of football that we need to talk about? EPL has kicked off. What we're like, what three or four games into the EPL? Yeah, Arsenal. <laughs> Don't do, you had to go there. And so not sorry, a, Arsenal so, fans. So not only does do Arsenal Ugh. fans have to feel terrible that they might get relegated this year, and that uh, was it Arteta. What's his name? Arteta's the coach. Arteta yeah. is going to be fired in two weeks, and insult to injury. The old Spursies are right it's at the top so of the table. <laughs> so not only is Spursy at the top of the table, they got rid of their coach Mourinho, who's an absolute nut job, and they replaced him with what I think is one of the yeah. best coaches in the Premier League from Wolverhampton. Yeah. Thank you, Mikey Dobbs, Nuno Spent Nuno Espirito Santo. And on top of that, freaking Daniel Levy and his stubbornness, that's the owner of Tottenham. Kane ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. I don't well, care what your bid is. 120, stuff it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I think it has to do with the right price, you know, with Levy probably. Just I think the answer it. is absolutely not because yeah. how is the right price not 120 million pounds? Did they, did someone offer that? Yes. Man City offered 120 million pounds and he said, take Take, uh, go take a hike. I didn't realize that. I thought Kane was sitting out, didn't want to play, creating problems. Yeah. So causing as much of a stir as he possibly could. He's 28 years old, 29 years old. He's at the end of sort of moving towards his later stage in the career. They were offered 120 million pounds. And he said, 
No way. Yeah, that's going to backfire. <laughs> well, but yes, probably in the long run. But in the, in the near run, suddenly if you're a Tottenham fan, you got a good coach coaching that great young team again, moving right into their prime. Yeah, right into sixth or seventh place. Because by the way, I mean... the top, I'll take that bet. The top four teams are just too stacked for Tottenham to make a run for the top four. So who's your top four? Oh, I mean, you got Man, Man City, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's going to score the goals for Man City? Everyone. <laughs> it ain't going to be Grealish. <laughs> That's for it's, sure. It sure as hell is going to be Grealish. Well, maybe, because he can't miss from two he's yards. He's going to have maybe. 20 goals, probably. No. Oh, God, 15 to 20. Guaranteed. If Guardiola can get 20 goals out of Grealish, which he might be able to because he's yeah. that much of a genius. Yeah. He's truly uh, a at genius. Man City. Grealish doesn't even have to actually shoot it; it can just hit his shins, <laughs> and it'll go in. Okay? De Bruyne plays it off Grealish's okay. shins and in. Uh, he's, uh, he's good uh, enough to do that. De Bruyne uh, could probably hit his yeah. kneecap from like thirty yards and have it go in. I like though. that idea. So Man City, okay. right there. All right, okay. The Manchester United team is not too bad, and <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is Loaded. not. He's going to add twenty to twenty-five goals to that team on top of an already very talented. You know, he team. scored over a hundred goals at Juventus. Dude, the guy can score. Oh my god! You know, I saw uh, an article saying that um, since Cristiano Ronaldo left Manchester United. Right, so he came to Manchester United at 17, and he played like six years. So he was like 23 when he left, right? So since he left, going into his prime, he scored something like 520-something goals, Yeah. right? If you take the top five Manchester United, top no, top seven Manchester United scores in that time, it's equal to him. Yeah. <laughs> and but, I mean, look at thirty five and thirty five and thirty four. What he's doing at Juve, you know what he's doing? Scoring goals, and he reinvented himself to be more of a striker than mm-hmm. that left winger bombing down the left side. I think that, I mean, if you look at Ibrahimovic, like I suspect that Ronaldo is going to do the exact same thing at Manchester United that has all the complementary players around him to put it right on his head or right on his foot and game over. Well, one thing I love. So there's my top two, the, the Manchester's. Can are, I, can I top. digress for just a minute? Go ahead. When we talk about coaching. So sorry, who is the Juventus coach? So he was the Juventus coach and they won nine, 11 straight Scudetto titles. Yeah. Right. And he won five of them straight. Then he walked away or was fired or who knows, like, because they couldn't win the Champions League. He lost in the final twice. <laughs> and, um, right. And so uh, then they bring in Pirlo and Cristiano Ronaldo, right. And then just tank, right. Like, yeah. you know, it was terrible. And so sorry, they bring him back. Because they're like, that's our guy. We, we're really sorry. We were really wrong. <laughs> right? Uncle, uncle. Right? Uh-huh. And um, so they bring him back. And uh, and he's like, look, um, you know, uh, do we need Cristiano Ronaldo? And he's like, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't press. And he's not part of the team. And so he's like, just sell him. 
I don't need him. I can win the Scudetto without him. Yeah. I mean, talk about a coach who's um, confident in what he's doing, right? Yeah. So, all right, keep going. Who is your... All right, well, let's throw Chelsea in there, the the European champions who have only fortified themselves with another great striker, Lukaku. Oh, by the way, you know, I just... In my typical fashion, I caught him. Sorry, right? But it's Allegri who they brought back. Sorry is the other coach who used to play, who was um, at Inter Milan and, and Chelsea. Sorry, it was Allegri. Is the coach of Juventus. That's the guy. That guy can really coach. Allegri. Allegri, yeah. Right. Sorry. Sorry, dear podcast we, listeners. We can't rewind. We can't edit that out. It's We're different. live, people. We're live. Sorry about that. Sorry but about sorry. Number th- number three in the list is Chelsea. Um Okay. You know, come on. They are stacked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then you got Liverpool who hasn't – there's nothing flashy about Liverpool, but one thing they are is better than Spurs. Okay. Okay. Um, and – But are they really better than Spurs? Yes. I mean – Yes, they are. So they've had the better coach. You know who they have? Far. They have Mane and they've got – uh, Sala, who are way better than Song and, and Kane, in my opinion. Oh no way! I don't care. Like I'll take Son and Kane over Mane and Sala any day. Now the one who I won't take, <laughs> the one I won't take <laughs> is uh, anybody over Van Dyke. Dude, how good did he look his first game back? Difference did, maker. Did you see that shot he took from did, like thirty-five he, yards out? Did he even tear his ACL? Does anyone even know that? Maybe he was just you yeah. know on a beach the whole like, time. Like I. As far as far as their first game back from an ACL, oh my, that's goodness. that's a that's Joseph Martinez form. But so Klopp is a way 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 better coach. Um, Tushel's an interesting coach because Tushel's been up and down. He's a real tactician. Since he came into Chelsea, he's not been up and down. He's been amazing at Chelsea, but all he did at Chelsea was get their defense organized and allow the you know the great depth that they have up front to do well. Um, they have a better striker this year in Lukaku, but but I would argue Nino Espirito Santo, great coach, is a phenomenal coach, and they finally have a coach now. Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong because Pochettino was a good coach yeah, too. I mean, I mean so and maybe, boy, maybe and, and you love Jose Mourinho too. I loved him until he went off the rails. Yeah, well, he lost his freaking mind. Well, is he going to get it back on track at no. Roma? No, no. he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> he's gone. He's, he's never gone. coming back. He lost it, you know, around the time just before he came back to when he went to Manchester United, and yeah. he really freaking lost his mind. So the other teams that I think are even better than Spurs that are going to be yeah more than four above Spurs. Yeah, you know who's going to be ahead of them at the end of the season? No, who? Leeds United. No way. You don't so first like- of all, they've gotten off to a crap start. No, they're playing great. Well, playing great doesn't mean getting points. It will eventually. Eventually. eventually and they just will. signed Daniel James, who's a perfect dude. signing for them. Yeah, dude, I'm He's telling you. He's a classic Bielsa player. The fa- the yeah. highest the highest finishing spot in the EPL coming from the Champions League last year was Leeds, and I only expect that to continue to move north. And that means that Spursies who have a very disgruntled superstar who wanted to move to a team that 
gave a proper offer to Levy as far as you're concerned. I just don't see that. How think, could you be a Wolverhampton fan and not have that he's, kind he's of not faith a Wolver- in, He's not at Wolverhampton anymore. No. So you think that it was only that just, uh, Spirito Santo was only good because he was at Wolverhampton? No, he's an excellent coach. He's a he's, phenomenal coach. But when you are a phenomenal coach that is moving into a shitty culture, that's a lot to <laughs> it's overcome. Not a shitty culture. They've had a great culture. The Spurs culture, the last since their Champions League. Uh, I disagree. Uh, Mourinho culture. It is, kind of fell it, off. Yeah, because Mourinho is a freaking crazy man. But since then, they've been recovering from that. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so this so you want to put a you want to and their superstar put a wants, podcast wants wager leave. on it. They didn't let him leave during the summer window, and so that has to weigh on Harry Kane. Now, I know he's going to be professional. He's worn the bat, the Spursy badge for forever. It's not right. like he's, it's not like he's gonna, not going to play hard. But there's when you need the little extra, does it matter? Here's the thing: Are you willing to put a podcast wager? On Leeds finishing above Tottenham, that's what you just said. I love that. How about like, uh, okay, I'll how about that. a beautiful uh, bottle of wine? Okay, for, for the podcast, I you Dear. know something deal. Good, which reminds me, I need to no. You're, we're out of the wine. We've done well. <laughs> well, then we must have talked about it all. We must have talked about it all. We are what? Wow, we're like an hour and a half into this. Oh my goodness, we're arguing about. <laughs> really, we've gone to the end of the podcast here. Well, we need the win against Orlando yeah. City. What do you think? Think we're going to win? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, is it a must win game for Atlanta United? Well, you kept saying must win, must win. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. Um, I'm still not saying must win, but um, it's getting late. It's getting real late. It's and, not late, late, but whatever. The, but if you lose again, you really. The good news is Atlanta United schedule looks pretty yeah it's weaker good right it's weaker and as we go down the the final stretch so there's a lot of home games and there's a lot of um weaker competition for alan cola help out there we get cincinnati a couple times again i would be um (laughs) i'd be very disappointed with the coaching i'd be very disappointed in atlanta united in general if we don't make the playoffs so do you think that we come out in a four no I'm going to say I agree with you, and that would really disappoint me. You know why? Because I just read an interview with Pineda like two days ago, at least him being quoted that he was going to start five in the back. So he's already put himself out on the record that he's starting with five in the back. Yikes. Moving forward. So, yeah, right? Yikes. Because we talked it through. Because Sosa's not going to be back. It's the only solution. We figured it out here in front of the fire. Four in the back's the way to go. So And I'm not a formation person at all. Like that's you know me. Like I could give a crap less about formation. It's about talent on the field. But when you're talking about just logic of what we were explaining. As much as you don't care about formations, you can't leave one player in forty yards of space. It's the math, Dave. And and not even one player, one player who's not even that good defensively. <laughs> no. All right, people, we've talked about it all. Talked about it all. We've had some red wine, maybe too much. And uh, tune in next time. It's ATL on fire. Subscribe. Tell a friend. 